This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland and Adam Jones as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison and preview tomorrow's FA Cup third round tie. New kickoff the visit of Championship side Rotherham. But as ever, plenty to get our teeth stuck into. Injury news, plenty of it from Carlos' press conference. And of course, we are well into the January transfer window, as you know. So we will be discussing a whole manner of uh, players and their potential futures as we go throughout the pause. And of course, the ongoing situation with football generally. And uh, I will be asking the players for their... Uh, the, the players, they wish they were players, the panel for their, for their view <laughs> On the uh, on the situation and, and postponements and, and whether football needs to go through a circuit break or not, but we will start with uh, team news fresh from Carlos Presser. Preno, uh, the big news is that Luca Dean, who we understood as this morning was probably going to be involved against Wolves, is actually now fit and available for Rotherham. <laughs> Absolutely delighted by that news. I'm not really surprised because he is such an incredibly fit and healthy specimen. I mean, uh, normally we, we were talking just before we went live and I thought that, you know, you would play on Saturday and then maybe, you know, so duck out for Tuesday. But knowing Luca Dean, he'd want to be back, you know, from the word go now playing every minute of every match. So great news, not just for Lucas Dean, but also for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who sees uh, what was quite a productive supply line earlier in the season restored again. But, you know, so with every positive, there's a negative. And the negative is that we all kind of thought or suspected that Niels Nkunku might be getting a, a bit of exposure this weekend. We might see some of him again, uh, as bright as he was early on in the season in the League Cup. We're not going to see that now. But, you know, that's uh, a, a small negative because uh, having Luca Dean back is absolutely great news. Uh, he was so influential uh, and has been so influential throughout his entire Everton career, to be honest. Uh, so seeing him back, is it ahead of schedule? I don't know. I was certainly taken by surprise when I heard that. So uh, just delighted. Uh, it's great news all around. And, and of course, bringing uh, podcast listeners up to speed with, with the other team news that came from, from Carlos' press conference. Um, Carlos saying not involved either through injury or being rested tomorrow includes, uh, so Richarlison, uh, not involved, John Joe Kenny, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Pickford, Alan, Delph and Gabamin. So, um, Hamez and Iwobi back, Gav, along with Luca Dean. Pernod said, great news for Calvert-Lewin, and it is going forward. Um, but it looks like tomorrow, from what Carlo said, great news for Jenk Tosin, who, <laughs> appear, yeah. uh, who appears will get yeah. a game. Um, what are you expecting from Jenk tomorrow? Uh, goals. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. I mean, without trying to sound sorry to you, I mean, he's... Uh, Looked a bit. I mean, I don't know what how much you can expect from somebody who's had a very limited game time this year as a sub, only as a substitute, you know. Uh, so I think ninety minutes is uh, beneficial for him. Uh, against obviously they'll probably have, I would imagine, maybe a bit of weekend weekend team out. Um, and so yeah, I'll be very disappointed if I don't see him on the score sheet uh, tomorrow. Um, but it also shows as well. Oh, a lack of options in that area. Um, so, I mean, we've spoken on the pod before. Is I fully think Fire and Saint Tosin, I think, will be an asset to us. Mm. I think, in the same as you play 4 3 3, just stay in the box. 
so yeah, we, we need we need them to hit the ground on tomorrow, don't we really? Uh, and uh, I'll be looking forward, hopefully, to to get on the score sheet. Mm. Adam, does a uh, a goal scoring uh, return to the to the team for Jenk Tosin change anything about his 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 future and his prospects this month? How do you see it unfolding for Jenk? We've heard from him. Uh, today, in terms, of, I think he gave some interviews in Turkey about his future, saying he's going to wait a couple of weeks and see if he's if, see if he's playing. I mean, with the best will in the world, unless there's a stream of injuries, I could probably tell him the answer now. Um, do, do you do you see do you see his, his his sort of prospects changing dramatically? Has he got an opportunity to convince Carlo in in 90 minutes against Rotherham? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the last words of that sentence. To be honest, you know, you've got to have some sort of respect for Rotherham of course because you, we all know that the FA Cup can spring up surprise results but let, let's be honest we've paid how much 27 million for Cenk Tosin he's a Turkey international he should be performing against a team like Rotherham at the end of the day and I think Carlo Ancelotti knows that and I, I don't think if he was to even if he was to score a hat-trick tomorrow I don't think it's really going to change anything in Carlo Ancelotti's eyes I think what's interesting about the quotes that you that you mentioned there is that you know I think Tosin's always had this belief as well is that Carlo Ancelotti does have faith in Cenk Tosin and I suppose that was probably highlighted by the fact that Moise Keane went out on loan at the start of this season so we were left with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison who can move up front and Cenk Tosin and I think the other thing that we need to note as well is that Carlo Ancelotti seems adamant so far at least that Everton aren't really going to be making any sort of income and transfers over the course of January. Now, of course, if the right offer came in for Tosin, would that then change matters? Would we then be looking for a striker towards the end of the window? You know, I don't know, but I think it may be, it, it, it might be considered just a safer option to just have Cenk Tosin there from now until the end of the season. Then Moise Keane comes back in the summer we and we can assess everything from the summer and go on from there. I'm not sure I agree with that personally. I think it, it probably would be my opinion, the right move to try and move Cenk Tosin on and try and bolster our attacking options uh, throughout the rest of the window. I think, to be honest, even if we didn't move Cenk Tosin on, we need to bolster our attacking options from now until the end of January. But yeah, I think if, for all the for all the will in the world, you know, a, a, a couple of goals against Rotherham, it's it's not really going to change much in the eyes of uh, Carlo Ancelotti and especially Everton fans as well if, uh, for Cenk Tosin. So. I'm not sure tomorrow is going to change anything, but you know we'll we'll see how the rest of the month pans out. So, Preno, you know, let, let, let's look to tomorrow in that situation, and you know, look, fingers crossed, Jenk Jenk produces and, and and we comfortably sail into into the fourth round uh, draw, which will also I think double up as the fifth round draw as well. You know, yeah. all sorts of draws on Monday. Um, <laughs> but say hypothetically, it's it's for whatever reason it's it's turned into a bit of a struggle. Jenk isn't scoring. Are you concerned by our options without Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin? You know, Gav, Gav alluded to the lack of depth in that position. Um, as, as much as we, we, we're very confident, of course, of, of, of securing a passage through tomorrow, you know, we have to be aware that if Jenk, who hasn't played a great deal of football, isn't firing for whatever reason, who do we turn to? It, it is a concern, yeah. I mean, without wanting to sound complacent or, you know, sort of overconfident, it would bother him. Okay, the second bottom of the championship table for a reason. But, I mean, similar to Wickhamur, bottom of the table, they've not been turned over very often at all this season. I think 
They lost 2-0 at Watford, was it? And 3-0 at Reading. They're the only two games where they've lost by more than one goal all season. So they're resilient. They're a difficult team to break down. And we're going to need, you know, to be, you know, so sort of fairly, you know, so sort of firing on all cylinders to try and, you know, sort of break down a stubborn team. And is a Cheng Tosin who's clearly short of match sharpness and match fitness, you know, going to be able to do that? I certainly hope so. Quality-wise, yeah, you know, he's a Turkish international, you know, so you should have, you know, so far more quality uh, than the defenders he'd be up against. But that rhythm and that momentum uh, that, you know, you need as a striker is going to be sorely lacking. I think you got the last 10 minutes against West Ham, wasn't it? And he got 10 minutes earlier in the uh, campaign against United, maybe. And that, that's it, really. He had, like, mm. little fleeting moments here and there. So it's a bit of an unknown quantity. You know, so I've said in this podcast before, you know, I, I quite like Cheng Tosin as a finisher, but he's not the kind of a player who's going to make things happen himself. You know, so he relies heavily on what's around him. So it's not just, you know, so what he produces. It's what the guys who are also... Uh, brought into the game, Bernard maybe, you know, so other players around that, you know, can create things are going to bring, it's going to be like, so, you know, so most important, but it does highlight, yes, that, you know, so we are lacking in numbers and a number of areas of the team at the moment. Start of the season, I was looking at the League Cup lineups and like the number of options that we had available. I mean, the first game against Moise Keane played, uh, Konku came in. I mean, uh, Fabian Delph, you know, so was involved, you know, so obviously players like that aren't, invo- aren't involved at the moment. And it just highlights, you know, so how few other options we've got elsewhere. And also, of course, you've got the fact that, you know, so Carlo is quite keen um, not to be, you know, so panic-stricken, if you like, in the transfer markets. He's a very calm and calculated operator. And he wants to wait until he can bring in the players that he's absolutely sure will be good for the club long-term. Which is why he said, you know, we're not looking to be making splashes in January because obviously the players that he wants to bolster the squad long term aren't available right now. And it's been successful so far. The players he brought in in the summer, you know, so using that, you know, sort of approach have all been very, very good. And so we basically stick into that. But that means that short term, we are going to be found wanting on occasions. And tomorrow could be one of those occasions. I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope it's nice and sensible. And I hope that, you know, uh, we score a couple of goals early on. And that's it, Dan can settle back and, you know, so relax. But, you know, it's the FA Cup. We've had a couple of uh, squeaks in recent years. It was Lincoln game a year or two ago that, you know, so finished 2-1. So, yeah, it's maybe not going to be easy. So, you know, fingers crossed all goes according to plan. Because, yeah, the options aren't great to answer your question. No, and of course, without, without the risk of uh, arguing amongst myself in the interest of uh, discussion, of course, James is back, isn't he? So, yeah. I mean, James Ham- has, 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 has ruined a number of teams better than Rotherham with, with the greatest of yeah. respect. So, uh, but Gav, just going back to the striker situation, and, and I know we're jumping ahead of ourselves, and I know on Monday's pod, Moise Keane was yeah. discussed. But working on the, the premise that there seems to be an increasing feeling, in, in a, you know, the noise is coming out of Goodison is that now, regards to Moise Keane, the football club appear to be open to selling Moyes if the right offer is tabled, where 12 months ago he was part of the future. No, he's going nowhere, et cetera, et cetera. And again, add, yeah. that, into the, add that into the fact that Jenk Tosin looks like he is, continues to be available for sale and doesn't appear to have a long-term future. Where, where does Carlo and, where do, and Marcel Brands, where do they go in, in finding a backup centre-forward for Dominic Calvert-Loon? Do they go experienced and do what Carlos has done uh, last summer? Or do we go back down Marcel's route of trying to find, you know, the, the rough diamond, the, the player with potential that, that he's done with Moise Keane? 
Uh, I get all the hard questions, Phil, don't I? Yeah, uh, yeah it's an interesting... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, well, first of all, you know, as soon as we start talking transfers, we need to reference our financial position, don't we? Mm. You know, that that, that that would dictate a lot of things. We know the, the losses we've inherited from last year and we'll have a loss this year and all that type of stuff. So, you know, we, we you know, we're not exactly got... Bundle full of cash, have we to uh, to to fill to fill uh, you know to fill the spot? Um, I don't know. I mean, in, in the short term, the Charles can play to Slaker, can he? And then we have got options sorted on the left hmm. to a degree. So my my guess initially will be it will be within the squad. It will be the Charles, who's not in the best of form himself. Obviously, um, but you know, if I know you're saying about toasting and, and stuff, it, but about toasting as well, I just remember it reminds me a little bit of that. Remember, Yelvich played in Martinez's last season, it's PPR, didn't he? And Pears out yes. every time, I think he played all season, yes. scored twice, and then he was on his way. It, there's a little yeah. bit of that going on here, isn't there? Um, yeah, so that, that apart from that aside, um, I, I suspect that they'd have the Charleston, um. As as the backup slider, because we have mm. sort of got options on the left, um, probably because I just don't think the market and the money's there for for us to do anything in January, and then see what happens in the summer. I mean, the obvious thing is is that they sell Moyes Moyes key if and a big if around that, then they maybe use that money to, you know, perhaps to to to, to reinvest elsewhere, but. I keep my options open, uh, to be honest with you. But this this goes back to the, the old Carlo, what he wants and what, what's best for the the, the future in long term future of the football club, doesn't it? And sincerely, mm. you, you know, do you want a fully formed strike that will cost you a lot of money, or do you want a, a younger striker with potential, yeah. which is maybe going down with the Moise Keane route, where me? Yes, I suspect Carlo. I, I suspect Carlo would want the former. Mm. He, he wants somebody who's, say, 26, 27, you know, um, for, for a fee, maybe not from this country. That's that's what I would get. Yeah. So, I said before on this, I don't, I don't think, if you want to pay all the money to Carlo, there's no point questioning the judgment over transfers. Yeah. You've got to go with what he says. Yeah. And I think we get an experienced striker out from somebody, somebody younger who, who will need better than him. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay. Um, and what are your feelings about the rest of the team tomorrow then? We know Jenk, that was that was guaranteed and confirmed by Carlo. We know Ben Godfrey's playing centre-back. We strongly mm-hmm. suspect Luca Dean, of course, is going to be back at left-back. Um, how, how does the rest of the team look in, in your mind's eye? Is it is it very strong throughout the eleven, or is there opportunities for some players in certain positions? I think you've got to give opportunities to some players. I th- I, to be honest, I'd still argue that I'd want to see Nielsen Kunku starting at left-back and maybe you introduced Luca Dean in the last like, 20, 25 minutes or so, let's say, uh, to try and get him get him some minutes under his belt ahead of the uh, ahead of the Wolves game because you know, I'd, I'd still really like to see what Nielsen Kunku could do, to be honest, against a championship team like Rotherham. Ahead of him, I want to see Anthony Gordon playing uh, again as well because I think they, those two particularly... Really link well together against Salford, didn't they? 
uh, earlier in the League Cup. So I really want to see them linking up again. Uh, I probably would start Hamez on the other flank just to get some minutes yeah. in his legs again. <laughs> uh, I'd maybe play Bernard centrally uh, in that in that Sigurdsson role in that attacking midfield because again earlier in the season he showed showed real signs of promise uh, to me, especially against Fleetwood. He had that great assist to Richarlison, got on the score sheet himself that game as well. So I'd quite like to see to see uh, Bernard play there. I'd probably give Decore a rest. So I'd, I'd go maybe Gomez and Davis maybe in the midfield. And then if, take your pick. Who's going to play centre-back next to Godfrey, to be honest? Uh, Holgate, maybe? Holgate maybe needs more games. You know, he's yeah. been injured, hasn't he? Yeah, Holgate, Holgate and Godfrey. That's if you're going to be playing Coleman at right-back, of course, which I presume is probably going to happen if John Joe Kenny's not going to be there. So, yeah, probably Coleman at right-back to get him some minutes again. Holgate at centre-back with Godfrey, so... You know, it, it, there's a bit of rotation there, and you know, players adapting to new positions maybe across across that lineup. But you know, there's so much quality in that lineup, so much international quality as well. Some really, some really good young players as well who want to prove themselves. I think that team's more than good enough to be beaten rather than and then we can move on from there. Hopefully, take some confidence from that into the Wolves game. Preno, um, Carlo confirming, as I mentioned earlier, that there's no Jordan Pickford tomorrow. Uh, so working on the assumption that that means Robin Olsen starts um when robin olsen starts a game for the blues now how how, how does it make you feel in terms of are you confident and and, um sort of happy and comfortable with robin olsen in goal you know in place of the place of jordan um i was up until the the Manchester (laughs) cup time he showed just a few uncharacteristic signs of, uh, of flapping a little bit and a little bit of nervousness because prior to that, he'd just been an absolute paragon of, you know, uh, composure, um, which is what we were looking for. You know, so Jordan was producing the, the spectacular shot stopping, but then, you know, dropping crosses and making, you know, so silly mistakes, whereas Olsen was quite the opposite. Um, he was just like this calm presence and that seemed to go out the window against United. Uh, so hopefully that was a one-off. I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with Robin Olsen. Um, he, he looks, like you say, exactly what we need uh, in a situation like this. Somebody that can come in and can just show a little bit of consistency and a little bit of, you know, sort of calm reassurance. So no major issues at all with that. Um, I wouldn't quibble with any of the uh, selections that Adam suggested there for the cup tie. Maybe Michael Keane bring back in. He was rested for the West Ham game, which surprised me a little bit because he'd been like the one consistent figure all the way through this season. I think um, he'd had a slight hamstring issue, actually, to be fair. Yeah, and yeah, he came off early against Sheffield United, didn't he? Mm. So, you know, is he does, does he need another break? You know, so maybe that's maybe why they'll continue, you know, so uh, with, you know, so somebody else sent it back. I don't know. Uh, but then you run the risk of like that little bit of uh, momentum, you know, so being lost as well. But all in all, yeah, there's, there's plenty of quality in there. And there should be enough to see off a team that's struggling in the championship. But as far as the goalkeeper situation goes, no, no issues whatsoever with Robin Olsen coming in. Uh, and it seems to be happening a bit more frequently now, doesn't it? Um, whether that's designed to keep Jordan Pickford on his toes a little bit and to keep him looking over his shoulder and keep him working at his game, I don't know. Uh, but it's not just, you know, so, uh, you know, one-off cup ties, is it? It seems to be happening every now and then. So maybe it's a calculated uh, ploy, you know, so by Carlo Ancelotti uh, to keep Jordan on his game. Um, Gav, what, what are your thoughts on Olsen generally? Just reflecting Thanos' observations, really, that thought in the league games he's played, he was he, he was safe. Seemed to, 
you felt a bit more comfortable than Ben Jordan's playing, to be fair. A bit more cooler. Um, Man United, early on he was flaky, wasn't he? He flapped at one or two crosses, then he nearly got caught in possession. Um, mm. But this goes back to this conversation we've had several times on the pod. Does it do either of the keepers any good? Alternating? I don't think it does. Mm. I mean, you in, know, in, I, in, I, in... In fairness, in fairness for tomorrow, Carlo did seem to suggest that Jordan was well. Well, he hinted at, at injury, but didn't didn't specify. So I don't yeah, know yeah, whether yeah. it is. I don't know. We don't know for certain if he's being rested or, or he's injured. So yeah, yeah. But of, either way, yeah, either way, fella. Doesn't I don't think it does. That. You know, before we pass judgment on Robin Olsen, do we need to see him play six or seven games back to back against different types of opponents? You know, um, playing different ways. Some, you know, some may pepper the box with crosses. Some may be more scientific. All that, all that type of thing. I, I, I from what I've seen, I think he, he's safe and secure. I'll be on one or two uh, little flashes of not panic, but um, you know, weakness against United. He's really generally sound in the end. But I don't think he can pass judgment on him until. You see them in the run of games, like any other player, to be fair. But Gavin, you know, is, it, is, it, is it realistic to expect that? Because ultimately, on the job description and the um, what Robin effectively accepted, yes, of course, was you know put you know you, you're coming into challenge to be number one. But ultimately, the job description in the small print says you are backup, and you will you will probably yeah. But on the balance of probabilities, be backup. So, is it realistic to 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 expect to see Carlo give a backup goalkeeper six games in a row? Does Carlo say it that way, or does he see see two goalkeepers vying for you know fighting for position? You know, well, you, I, I I don't I don't know. I, it's I'm a bit muddled in me thinking on this, and 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 when I say well, I, I'm I'm I know what I think in that. Like, I don't think it does him any good, but. I'm muddled in the way that like, I don't really see the, the rationale for saying Jones number one. But I tell you what, I mean we can alternate with Robin. Mm. Uh, I just don't. I don't. I don't that's just you know, that one laughs in the face of the other. What I would say though, Phil, is over the last say, so I say Stecklenberg. I'll put as an example. Although Steck was maybe number one for a while in terms mm. of a backup keeper, who's an established backup keeper. I'd say he looks a class above the ones we've had over the last 20 years. In terms of, if you're saying that's a job description, you are, you yeah. will be back up. He looks, he looks a class above ones we've had before, and I think that's beneficial. Yeah. And I, you know what names I'm talking about here. Jan Muka. Yeah. Well, Stefan Vessels. Cost us the FA Cup against Oldham. It's cup against um, Oldham, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've had we've had a few, we've had a few. We've looked a little bit ropey, yeah. uh, but he looks he looks a class above that easily, and and somebody could say, you know, if you said that you go out ten games for us now, I'd say yeah, okay, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Which is not necessarily the case with back up keepers in the past, mm. uh, to be go. honest with you. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, Adam, you mentioned him, so I, you know it feels feels appropriate for you, for you to answer this question. Um, Bernard, 
the January transfer window. Discuss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't complain about the difficult questions. Oh, you yeah, 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 absolutely. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a consumer professional. Keep or sell. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it is a it is a really difficult one, isn't it? I think Carlo's comments again today were quite interesting, where he was saying, you know, there's been no contact with Roma about a potential you know swap deal, which would see Olsen joining the club permanently, and I did, I did look at those reports earlier in the week and I just thought mm, it doesn't really doesn't really make all that much sense to me but yeah in terms of Bernard like I think it's just frustrating with him like because I think this season has been very much like last season I think we've seen flashes of the player that he can be and the player that he was you know when he first broke into the team in like 2018 or something like that wasn't it you know that game against Sheffield United where he came on thought he was really good obviously obviously set up the goal on that day uh, I think he got a surprise start against Manchester United, didn't he? Earlier in the season, scored, and I think he looked one of our best players in what was, you know, admittedly a pretty poor performance generally from Everton. But you know, there, there are flashes of that from Bernard. But then you see other times when he is brought into the starting lineup, he just he, he's pretty ineffective, and he he finds it hard to break down a defence. And I think a lot of that is down to him being played out wide. I still don't think he's a winger. I really think he's better suited to be in, in that central position, you know, with the whole game around him. You know, he I think that just suits his quality so much better. His close control, you know, his ability to jink in between a couple of players, play those insight, insightful passes. I think that would be loads better happening, you know, in between the two centre backs than it is him trying to, you know, get to the byline and maybe get a crossing. Because I feel like whenever he's going towards the byline, he turns around about five or six different times before he decides what he's actually going to do with the ball and especially with the way we've been playing over the last few weeks you know Ben Godfrey for how good he is as, as a defender he's not going to be bombing down the line to give Bernard an option is he so yeah I, I, th I still think Bernard's going to be much more suited to being central but the problem obviously that we've had recently is that Gilfie Sigurdsson's been playing very well in that position and is probably well he's definitely more more physical than Bernard I think he's you know, quicker than Bernard in that sense. You know, he's he's more defensively minded than Bernard in that in that uh, forward position as well. So he's always going to be preferred to Bernard, I think, uh, by Carlo Ancelotti. So I think he's in. I think Bernard's in a really tough situation. I still don't think the January transfer window the best time for us to be getting rid of a player who still has been important to us this season. You know, we've still called upon him on you know multiple occasions to come into the side, whether he's performed or not. He's still, he is still an important squad player. And I think if we were to lose him and not bring in a replacement, we'd be much weaker for it. So I, I, I still think he should stay in the January transfer window. But how how much that extends into the summer, I think, is is really a different question altogether. It's really going to be how, how well he adapts to whatever position he's given for the rest of the season. Because I just can't, I, I can't see him being given a start and place. But, you know, he's... 28 now isn't he he's going to be wanting to start in place as regularly as possible so yeah i think it's going to be interesting certainly preno um what are your thoughts do you expect bernard to still be at the football club the first of feb at 11 p.m when the window shuts um I, I do but that's only because he's on such considerable wages and um i don't think there's going to be that many people you know so 
banging down our door, you know, to make a, an attractive enough offer to make it worth our while. I was just looking at his, his stats there while Adam was talking and surprised me a little bit. He started two league games all season. Um, it's almost like Carlo has had a good look at him. I mean, when he first arrived, he seemed to have this uh, you know, idea that you could use him in home games, but not away from home. And then uh, even that seems to have gone by the by this season. He's only been introduced A for League Cup ties earlier on in the season. And then, like I say, in two league matches, uh, you know, apart from like fleeting substitute appearances. So you get the impression that Carlo isn't, you know, sort of entirely enamoured, you know, sort of what he can bring to the squad. And so it would all depend on, you know, so sort of what kind of offers we receive. You know, he says that Roma haven't been in contact. I don't know, you know, so who else might be looking for that kind of player? Because uh, he has talent, no doubt whatsoever mm-hmm. about that. Um, but we just haven't seen it, as Adam says, often enough and consistently enough uh, to warrant, you know, so maybe the, the outlay uh, in wages terms, you know, so that, that we're spending on him. Uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, some of the times when he has sparkled, you know, he's been great to watch. I mean, some of the goals he's scored have been, you know, so absolute classics, you know, so he's very, very quick feated, uh, great imagination, you know, so a, a good finisher. But you don't see it consistently enough and, you know, so often enough. And again, what Adam says is right about the physicality. Uh, the Premier League is such a physical league and uh, he doesn't really have that physicality to be able to flourish regularly, you know, sort of week in, week out. So, yeah, I think, you know, we may see him moved on, but maybe not in January. I think it might be the summer uh, because you're still in the squad, you know, so routinely you're still coming off the bench every now and then. And uh, I'm pretty sure he'll start tomorrow. And, you know, so hopefully we'll see one of those sparkling cameos and he can do something that makes us all think again. Uh, but I don't think it'll make Carlo think again long term. OK, final part of today's uh, pod before we get the guys' predictions. Um, Gav, it's been a uh, particularly tough week, obviously, for the, con- for the country, of course. But, you know, with- within, the- within the bubble of the Premier League, obviously... Uh, a record yeah. number of positive tests were returning. You know, I think it was 40, wasn't it? Um, games on the brink of postponements. Uh, Liverpool's game with Villa in the FA Cup going ahead as we speak tonight. You know, Derby having to play their 23s. Villa having to do the same. Um, increasing calls for a circuit breaker. Do you think that the Premier League should carry on regardless? Do you think, and do you think it will? Experience a pound a year to say it will, isn't it? Really, to be honest with you, Phil. I mean, as we're in the position we were in in March, if anything, it's a little bit worse, isn't it? Because then we had not nine games left. We've got we're halfway through the season, not even halfway through the season yet, are we? Um, so, in some respects, we're in a worse position out there. Hopefully, there's some hope down the line in terms of vaccinations and things. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a farce. I mean, I think there's been 100 now reported in the champ in the champion of the football league as well. Uh, 112, yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. So throughout the throughout the EFL. Yeah. Yeah. I've not I've not got a problem going on, but what I don't see is, and this is the thing that worries but doesn't surprise me, is there doesn't appear to be a contingency plan by anybody, nobody appears to be talking across all the different competitions, all the different organisations to say, well, if somebody turns out and says you can't play for a month, this is what we're going to do. You know what I mean? They're constantly just playing it up, you know, you know, just playing as you see it. You know, so you've got this ridiculous situation tonight with Villa playing at under 18s or whatever they end up playing, you know. 
because um, it's there doesn't 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 appear to be that okay. But in terms of the timetable, if we lose a month now, this is what's going to happen between now and the end of the season. Or you know, so this is what we've all agreed what will happen between the competitions. There's nobody's given the, the problem. The reason we're in this position is nobody's given anything really. Have they? The only sort of thing, no FA Cup replays, League Cup semi-finals, one game. Can't think of anything else really that's been done to reduce the uh, the pressure. Um, so I've got not got a problem continuing, but there has to be a plan in place to ensure the season finishes. Uh, if there is a break, an enforced break, or some somebody enforces it upon you, or it's forced upon, it happens naturally. Or you choose it amongst yourselves, and I don't see that, and that's what's going to cause problems for me. So you got the position. I think Spurs got three three league games already. You got to got to play, haven't you? You got to play Fulham twice, and uh, assuming the Villa game doesn't go ahead next week. Well, yeah. there's a problem for the start, isn't it? You know, got City have got a bit of a backlog. Um, so how is this all going to be resolved? It, 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 in the next month, it could be ten times as bad as at the moment. And you've got to start talking now for me. Are we going to end the season? Don't don't be fair, you know. And that, that's that's the worrying thing for me. And there's there's absolutely no way on this earth that, for example, the you know there could be a huge backlog, and there's no way on this earth that the Premier would, would agree to extend the league season beyond the uh, May twenty third because all these all the top players from the top clubs still vying for something will disappear for international tournaments, assuming they still go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. That, and that's the problem. Is they look so, like last year they, they pulled the Euros. I don't think that's, that's an option this year. Um, mm. So that's the other complication. Um, so it, it's, a, it, it's, it's in some respects we're in a far worse position than what we were here in, in March. Um, some respects we're better, hopefully, uh, with the vaccine. But I, I just don't see how it's all going to play out if there is a delay, Phil. Um, mm. And you've got the, the, you know, and it's money. At the end of the day, it's money, isn't it? Why, why is Villa playing Liverpool tonight? Because the contract for the game is where, around the world, a lot of money. Um, simple, simple as that. And it reduces competition so fast. Hmm. You know, and, and it wouldn't be surprising if that, that, that will happen in the Premier League between now and the end of the season. That teams will put out some of the 23 game players, uh, teams, and maybe even in the next month, just get the fixer played. Well... Um, well, I'll, I'll ask. I'll move the conversation on. I was gonna. I was gonna raise that, Adam. Do you, do you actually see a situation where football clubs would accept playing under twenty threes team? Because of course, when we had our game against Man City postponed. Everton rightly challenging the Premier League to provide reasons and the rationale why, and they wanted to know why the decision was made and how it was, it was brought about. Because. I think, yes, we all accepted that we didn't want a game to go ahead that would involve an outbreak, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. But in terms of a squad issue, City have had, had more than enough players to, to, to fulfil the fixture. But can you actually foresee a situation where no club at the top end of the table or even at the bottom end of the table with something to play for will accept a, a fixture in a league game worth how many millions potentially fielding their 23s? I mean, I'd love to say I wouldn't be able to see that scenario, but you know, with the way the last couple of years have gone, I can I, I can certainly see that scenario happening. I think in me, in my heart of hearts, I think the Premier League have set the precedent really with our game against Man City and then Newcastle's game against Aston Villa as well, which came beforehand. 
know, they made the same decision on both occasions that the match was to be postponed. Now, obviously, the Newcastle Villa situation was a little bit different in terms of their like travel arrangements, etc. So, you know, maybe maybe there was there was a cause for that to be postponed. But with this Man City game, we we just still don't know. Like they, they still haven't they still haven't given Everton the reasons why that was postponed, rather than you know City sending a squad of players to that game. So, yeah. The, the, in, t- in terms of the rest of the season, I can only see more games falling foul of mm. this situation because over the next month or so, because I think it just the situation in the Premier League is kind of just reflecting the situation in the country at the minute, maybe just a, a week or so behind, let's say. Because you know, I think now we're seeing the effects of you know everybody meeting up for Christmas and you know the, the, the whole tier system kind of falling to pieces, etc. Now that now that there's a national lockdown in place, will we see, you know, towards the end of the month that numbers will probably reduce again? But you know, how many outbreaks are we going to see at Premier League clubs uh, until that point? I can only I can only see that there'll be that there'll be more at Premier League clubs at EFL clubs as well. So you've you've just got to hope that there there is a con- some sort of contingency plan in place. But you know, as Gab's quite rightly saying, it doesn't seem to be. It seems as if. You know these situations are just coming up on the fly, and the you know the Premier League boards yeah. are just going to themselves. Oh, right, okay, this is what we'll do for now, and they're just not really looking as far ahead into the future as they really need to be. And I think Gab's completely right. I think that's the really worrying situation here because we are going to like we could get to you know March time, let's say, where you know Premier some Premier League teams have got you know four or five games that they need to have played, whereas yeah. some teams will have been able to keep up with their schedule. So you have. You know, teams with five games in hand in the, in the middle of the Premier League table, it's just going to be absolutely nuts. And, you know, I, I really don't see how they're going to be able to solve this situation, especially, as you say, with the international football this summer as well. It's just, it's just an absolutely ridiculous season, to be honest. Yeah. Um, last one on this, we, we could talk and we will talk in, in future pods about it. Preno, um, just very quickly, Sean Dyche <clears throat> had some interesting comments on it this week. Um, and paraphrasing what Daesh said, but he suggested the vaccination should be given soon to, to, to all the Premier League players uh, and the money that was being pumped into testing twice a week, if not more, given to the NHS. And so I suppose in that respect, the Premier League would be safe in inverted commas to carry on and, yeah. and, and, and more money pumped into, into, the, uh, into the NHS, etc. Do, do you think that's plausible, uh, a good idea? or it's, It sounds like a wholly sensible suggestion but then again you know there are going to be you know opponents to it again pointing at football and footballers football has got an awful lot of flack at the start of the uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. um you know so for, for continuing and uh, the government you know so actually pointing fingers mm-hmm. at them uh, for not doing enough which was an absolutely ludicrous situation to be in given how much footballers were actually doing um and i can see the same kind of arguments like so raising their head again if that was the case if footballers were singled out ahead of, you know, for argument's sake, NHS workers or, you know, sort of care home assistants and what have you. So I, I can probably see that not happening, to be honest, even though it does sound eminently quite sensible. The whole situation is a real, real mess at the moment. I mean, they have caused uh, a problem for themselves with the Manchester City situation by allowing them to postpone that game. And then declaring that, you know, so Aston Villa will play and Derby will play in the FA Cup. It's, it's just a very, very strange situation. But there's so much money involved. I mean, it's not like it was, you know, so way back. Remember the 1980s when Everton finished the season playing 
was it the Thursday night, the Sunday and the Tuesday after the cup final uh, because we had so many fixtures to try and cram in. But it, it could happen then because none of those games were televised. Um, when money started to get involved, I mean, and the, in, in inverted commas, integrity of the competition becomes compromised, it becomes a different issue then. And you get situations like, was it West Ham actually took Sheffield United to court over um, Carlos Tevez, you know, being allowed to play in some of their, you know, sort of crucial relegation games, even though there were, you know, third-party ownership concerns and what have you. So again, you know, for argument's sake, say, you know, a team at the bottom plays a team, an under-23 team. Are we going to see court cases, you know, sort of brought to bear later in the season because the you know, integrity of the competition has been compromised? It's, it's, it's a real mess. And I think, you know, the, the, the Premier League has to try and play matches as often as they can uh, to, to try and avoid that. But, you know, how do you do that if teams are suffering from COVID outbreaks like Aston Villa are? It is... It, it, it's a mess and it's caused by the fact that we're in such an unprecedented football season. People joke about, you know, sort of an asterisk campaign, you know, sort of the team that wins the league or the team that wins the Cups. That's what it will be because, you know, you get in situations like, you know, so Aston Villa will go out to the FA Cup tonight and mm. they'll go out to the FA Cup because they haven't been able to play, you know, sort of a full strength team uh, in a season when they've been, you know, sort of surprising people left, right and centre with the quality of their performances. It's just a really, really strange season. And uh, nothing like we've ever seen. And, you know, so quite how the Premier League are going to handle it. Who knows? Because it's, it's just, it's a mismatch you know, so all the way through. Mm, absolutely. OK, uh, predictions time. We wrap up today's pod. Uh, Gav, Everton versus Rotherham, FA Cup third round. One of the, traditionally one of the, the best days in the football calendar. Uh, yeah. Will it be a good, will it be a good day uh, for the Blues? Uh, it hasn't been the best day in the football for many years for me. Uh, but I'll go with... Uh, Mighty Blues three, Rotherham zero. Wow, nice. Add. Uh, I'll go one better and go four nil. Uh, I oh, just think I, I was going to go with that ads because you know the elevates game against QPR. We won four nil, didn't we? And I thought I'll oh, maybe go four nil, maybe get in the link. But I thought today, but yeah, good show. Uh, and if I'm memory good. serves, didn't Yelovich miss a pen? Miss a pen? Yeah, yeah. Was, was he on a hat trick yeah. as well? Yeah. Yes, yeah. That was the yeah. day that uh, Antolin Alcaraz looked like Bobby Moore. I'm not saying <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, who is this centre half that we've seen? Unfortunately, yeah. it was all yeah. downhill. Wow. <laughs> Antolin, Antolin Alcaraz, wow, yeah. yes. Um, ne- never forget Kiev. Um, Preno. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be the curmudgeon. I'm going to go for 2-0, just based on the fact that Rotherham are so resilient and haven't been turned over very often this season. Uh, we should have too much quality for them, but two 0 I'm happy with. You know, so and a nice home draw in the fourth and fifth round, please, against League Two teams suffering an injury crisis. <laughs> uh, I agree with Gav. I think three 0 I think it will be uh, fairly routine, and uh, hopefully, Jenk on the score sheet eh? and uh, and, a, and, a, and a safe passage through, and no more injuries to uh, contend with chaps uh, thank you very much for your company and thank you very much for listening uh, we'll be at Goodison tomorrow of course to cover that game stay with us across the afternoon for uh, live coverage and analysis uh, spilling over into Saturday night and to Sunday and of course follow us for all the latest news in the January window and we'll be keeping track on all the incomings and outgoings thank you very much this has been the Royal Blue Podcast you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo